Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Bro History. It's Henry Zamoda and my good friend, Danny Abdeljabar. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on, man? I'm blue. If I was green, I would die. If I was green, I would die. What? What does that mean? <laughs> it's what I, I used don't to listen think. to hip-hop. <laughs> it's what I used to think that song, I'm blue, from uh, Eiffel 69 or oh, whatever it is. If I was blue, I would die. If I was green, I would die. I used if to I think that green? that's what... I, I used to think that that's what it was called, or what it would say. Maybe it is, the lyrics, I don't know. Aren't those lyrics, if I was green, I would die? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what, I'm just pointing I, out the walls are blue, that's all. <laughs> oh, I got it. We used to say, we used to make jokes saying that the lyrics were, I'm in need of a guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can I'm hear that. I'm in need of a guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the old MTV days back mm-hmm. when we used to actually watch that in like 2000. When we used to sit down in front of the TV, what, at like 3 or 4 p.m.? What, what yeah. time was, was it? TRL? TRL, Total Request Live. Was that the show where they counted yeah. down the best music videos? Yep. Yep. And and then they would do what Hanson would always be like number one. I remember. Dip a dop, da, doop. Mm-hmm. Bop was number one for like I don't know too long, very a very long time, and then the yep. Backstreet Boys came out. Yeah, um, I mean, God, speaking I of artists from that era, I've got some interesting, like interesting conspiracies on that who? I'd love to share on uh, the one and only Britney Spears. Why don't obviously. you leave Britney alone? Leave Britney alone. I mean, actually, what what I'm trying to talk about is like that people should leave Britney alone because she's going through some shit right now. Her um, whole her evidently. entire career, she's gone through shit. What does she do now? So, all right. So Shave this her is head again? That, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is something that my, my girlfriend will probably be mad at me for talking about on the show because I know very little about it, and um, she knows all the just things. Just like the rest of the things that we speak about. <laughs> Should I just right? invite her on, come in, <laughs> come into the show real fast to fill us in? But, all right, it's pretty crazy, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, you we know, need, like, a, a, a Perez Hilton type guy who, like, calls who? in, like, all right, boys, here's <laughs> the gossip with Britney. Here's the like, scoop <laughs> on Britney Spears right now. No, so, dude, she's all right. Batch- Evidently, Crazy. for like ever, her dad has been like ma- like forcibly managing her. Like obviously, she was like a child star on the Disney Bop Channel, whatever the fuck that was that she was on as a kid. Mickey Mouse Club, yeah, the was Mickey Mouse thing, yeah, that one, right? And uh, you know, so obviously, child, you know, actors, singers, things like that, like they they're always were typically managed, you know, by you know their parents. And um, Britney Spears' parents, father specifically, was was not exceptionally good. Uh, at this, he was very controlling, very demeaning, and and to this day, I think she's she's like forty years old now. She has like a you know teenage kid, or whatever. You know, like she's old. Like it makes me feel old. You know, and her dad is still managing her, and evidently every time she cuts out a line, he makes a legal case that she is 
mentally unstable and reels are in, right? Reels are in, right? So there's a word for it, and I'm forgetting the word. It's like a um, it's like a word that that describes his position in her life right now. It's like a the word conspirator comes up, but that's not the word I'm looking for. It starts with a C. It's like a something. Um, and he manages her money. He manages like her fucking life, right? And a lot of people on the inner tubes have been like, you know, catching on to this. And some people on Reddit are like saying, hey, Brittany, if you're in danger, like post yourself, post a picture of yourself or something like that, wearing like a yellow shirt. And then like the day later, she's like on Instagram with like a video saying, oh, my, you know, my florist gave me a bunch of flowers. So to celebrate, I'm like wearing my favorite yellow shirt and then like making a big deal about her yellow shirt. Almost kind of like, you know, you, you ever hear the the thing, it's like blink if you're in danger, <laughs> you know, kind of like that. And the craziest one that I saw today that my girlfriend showed me was like an Instagram picture of herself. And like, if you read the captions, they're like super creepy um, and like weirdy, weirdly coded. She's like, oh, it's like such a beautiful day. No Photoshop on this picture. Like the eyes show the truth or something like that. And a lot of people have been taking notice to her eyelashes and, and thinking that they're seeing in her eyelashes the words like call 911 and in her lips help that she subtly had it photoshopped that way. Um, now, I looked at it and it kind of does look like it says that. I'm not going to lie. Like when I read it, I was like, oh, shit. Um, oh, shit. Brittany's in trouble. Yeah. You know? I'm a little worried. I'm not gonna lie, because it it looked convincing. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, all right. Wrong let's, podcast. Let's, we're, let's, not... <laughs> we're making. We're gonna make people vomit at this point. Um. All right. We are talking about also conspiracies. Uh, also conspiracy theories today. Not really conspiracy theories. I guess the main thing that we're trying to cover are these like weird explosions that are happening in Iran right now. So yesterday, we're recording this on a Thursday, a Thursday night. Yesterday, a, a fire broke out in this shipyard in southern Iran. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is just, you no, know, it's a fire. A fire's happened. There, there are wooden ships, apparently, and fires in shipyards with wooden ships is something that is, is normal. It's not out of the ordinary. Um, but previous to that, there have been a number of unexplained fires or explosions that have destroyed a lot of infrastructure within Iran and not just like infrastructure as in buildings. We're talking about like facilities, uh, military, uh, um, nuclear facilities Mm -hmm. being the main target. However, um, I mean, this has happened about six times. There's been six separate incidents like this in a period of about four weeks or so. Um, so it's definitely not a, doesn't, it certainly seems not to be, a coincidence it's something that is um an organized effort um so since june um there have been six different factories that have had fires or explosions some of them were military targets um the biggest one happened about two weeks ago there was an incident in a uranium enrichment facility and the iranian authorities said at first that it was the blast was caused by leaking gas tanks hmm. and but 
through a satellite like, uh, photographs, it showed that it was right next to a, it was a, a missile production facility. Mm-hmm. And what the fire damaged was an industrial shed right. where, where centrifuges were being built. And the and, doors were blown off. <laughs> yeah, the doors were blown off. So clearly it was an attempt to, to um, you know, take a shot at their nuclear program. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was interesting about that though is 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 like how that satellite photo shows that it was an inside out explosion not an outside in which makes it much more interesting right it's not the the evidence that is shown in in the image which I wish we would I would have grabbed one beforehand cuz I'd show it to you but uh you know if we were um assuming that this was a like a strike on this facility we would see dam- like damage that would indicate an external explosion inwards, right? So much like what we saw with uh, the Saudi Aramco facilities, right? There's like external damage that causes damage internally, right? Or kind of like if you're, you know, uh, in your home and, you know, a baseball goes through your window, right? There's glass on the inside of the house, not glass on the outside of the house, right? Uh, Well, in this case, there was glass on the outside of the house, right? So the doors are blown outward and out of the facility, which indicates that their explosion happened from inside. Which kind of almost uh, raises uh, the stakes a little bit because you have competing viewpoints on what happened. Either you know something inside exploded, you know, because there was an issue, or you know something blew up normally, or you know the more nefarious one is that somebody snuck a bomb inside. Uh, and if that's the case, then this is one of the most sensitive sites in Iran, you know. And the fact that they would allow a bomb to get snuck in. To be exploded outward, you know, is pretty not great for Iran. So, you know, understandably so, they're pretty tight-lipped about what exactly happened. What I'm what I'm confused about through um, the, the New York Times report and um, they, they've been they've been doing the reporting on this. It's it's very unclear to me, and I think it's unclear to the New York Times as well. Was the attack a physical bomb? Was it a physical fire or arsonist? Or was it a cyber attack, which has been hinted? Um, There's a lot of theories. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of theories as what's going on. Iran is oddly saying that, you know, these are these are incidents that are happening internally in there. It's like, oops, normal explosion. Pay no, you know, pay no mind to all the coincidences that are happening. Like we're just we just really suck at like not having our buildings explode that's evidently <laughs> like the the favorable position to have right now for iran so i'm just confused i i don't i'm terrible with technology and, mm-hmm. and tech stuff in general so mm-hmm. i i'm not the person to like explain how a uh a, a, a cyber attack can lead to an explosion like do you can, yeah. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I can. Um, so uh, I think the best example to talk about would be Stuxnet, um, which is a computer uh, worm or a cyber weapon, depending on who you ask. You know, this um, had been in development probably since 2005, but like we really saw it come to play in 2009, um, and it's pretty widely understood that the United States and probably Israel uh, developed this to use against uh, Iran. Um, But basically what they did was they were able to hack into um, Iran's 
you know um they were able to get into the mainframe as they say in all of the uh, hacker movies right and uh mess with the settings um on in in for their centrifuges uh, and centrifuges of course are uh, the devices, the machines that uh, they use to uh, enrich uranium to, uh, you know, use for uh, energy or, as many people might want to point out, uh, could also be used to make nuclear weapons. So um, what's interesting about That was these... the context of like every, almost every article that I've read. That it's been, <laughs> yeah. the, the context was, I wish I pulled the right quotes, but I know the New York Times article, and I believe... Um, it may have been a Politico article covering mm-hmm. marrying it from the New York Times, and um, their their take was that this put that this put back Iran's nuclear weapons program back By another months. three months, like another two three months. So they went kind from of six like months adding, to eight months. Right now they're eight months. Now they're back <laughs> to eight or nine months uh, before they get a nuclear <laughs> weapons program. But like that's how that's how news organizations kind of like you know keep on with with the with the narrative the mainstream narrative the, yeah the, main, mm-hmm. the mainstream narrative like mm-hmm. it, it's it's like this puts back their nuclear weapons program assuming that that is a nuclear weapons program which it's which it's which is not the 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 uranium level the enriched uranium is at a very small percentage of what three three point two i don't know the exact percentage some but it's ridiculously less than, it's less small than, amount when you need i guarantee i can i would bet you know? my i'd bet my life it would be lower than it's lower than four percent because mm-hmm. if it was going higher if it was higher than four percent then they would be announcing it to be like hey look what we're doing yeah fuck you yeah. donald trump but see the thing is okay so i have so many things to say about that um and maybe we'll get back into it but just to kind of answer your question like how the fuck do you use a cyber attack to like blow something up well, in this case, um, you know, not to get too deep into the science uh, behind it, but, you know, you can just imagine, especially if you think about something like Chernobyl, right? If you fuck with the settings on a nuclear p- plant, right? Something that's working with nuclear, you know, fuel, um, it could potentially melt down and cause an explosion, right? And you know, like we were talking about two completely different things, right? Chernobyl was an actual, you know, a, a power plant, and this was a centrifuge creating the fuel. But I bring those two up in comparison for the lay people out there to just think like, if it's nuclear, it, something could go wrong, things could blow up, right? And so they're very sensitive pieces of equipment. So the way that they, um, uh, and by they, I mean presumably the United States and Israel. Um, archetype the the Stuxnet computer worm is to mess with the settings of those centrifuges in such a way that it looked like either a human error um, caused these issues, or like a part or like a like a physical thing malfunctioned. Um, so what they'll do is they'll dial up a setting here or bring it down a setting there. You know, like turn off some switch here and there, like without getting into the technical specifications, but. Even small little things like that will cause a chain reaction. And when we're talking about nuclear facilities, this can quite literally blow up, right? And so all they need to do is get into the network and fuck with the dials. I'm not using technical words, of course, but all they need to do is mess, mess with some settings and it could explode. And that's how they're able to do that. Now with other systems, uh, especially utility systems, things like uh, power networks, right? Uh, a lot of people are very concerned about, you know, energy grids being attacked with cyber uh, warfare as well, because similar things can happen, right? With an energy network, let's say a dam, like a hydroelectric dam, they have fail safes in place um, to make sure that the 
you know, um, that the electricity doesn't surge beyond a certain capacity, right? Uh, kind of like your common surge protector that you probably have in your house, right? It's got a little sh like shutoff valve there, right? That, you know, if you go over a certain wattage or amperage, it'll just click and then just cut off all of the electricity. So if you were able to gain access to, you know, like root access to their systems and figure out a way to increase the amperage such that their, their safety um, network cuts in and shuts off the electricity, you can effectively shut down an, elect an electric grid, right? So there's quite a lot of things that you can do uh, with, you know, hacking or with, you know, um, uh, malicious cyber weapons, um, which, you know, is really convenient that we're now seeing. Wait, um, let me interrupt you for one <laughs> second. I'm pretty right. sure Rachel Maddow said that that's what Russia was planning on doing to us. Yes. But Russia is not the only folks that can do that. I mean, North Korea could try and do that too. I mean, they 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 have a pretty sophisticated, let's you know, grain of salt. It's North Korea, but fairly sophisticated cyber warfare team. China could do the same thing as well. So we're not we're not toting the Rachel Maddow line here. This is a very real threat. And the the funny thing about it is that we're also a big player in this threat. Like we just recently, uh, you know, reportedly, allegedly. Uh, are allowing the CIA to now act with, you know, you know, unilateral uh, uh, power, completely unchecked, uh, and do cyber operations. Like, that's a thing now. Yeah. So this was really interesting. So Yahoo um, News Yahoo had this News, exclusive yeah. story yesterday, and... Trump apparently signed a presidential intelligence finding that gave the CIA power to conduct essentially secret warfare against mm -hmm. cyber war mm -hmm. it, it, anyone in any anywhere anyone any state any country any organization right. um basically basically gave them um, unchecked power to declare cyber uh cyber mm -hmm. warfare and these are they they have freedom to, to target literally anyone that they want we're and, talking sovereign nations, you know, like yeah, the, we're, we're talking, talking North Korea, Iran, China. But Russia, we're not just talking yeah. about sovereign nations. We're talking about like individual institutions within those sovereign nations. Yeah, right. So they're like banks, churches, banks, utilities, things like that. Yeah. Whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. And um, it it got direct approval from the White House like in 2018. And I guess essentially there was, um, I guess there was some division within the White House, but I guess the Bolton Pompeo side won that battle and mm -hmm. we were able to get this through. And I'm going to read from the, this article. Sure. So the CIA's new powers are not about hacking to collect intelligence. Instead, they opened the way for the agency to launch offensive cyber operations with the aim of producing disruption, mm -hmm. like cutting off electricity or compromising right. an intelligence operation by dumping documents online, as well as destruction similar to the U.S.-Israeli 2009 Stuxnet attack, there which destroys centrifuges that Iran used to enrich uranium gas for its nuclear program. Right. Now, so previously, um, in order to do like a cyber attack like this, um, these intelligence agencies like the CIA, as an example, would have to generate enough evidence um, and say, like, this institution is working on behalf of the state for some nefarious purpose. Yeah, you'd have to draw the dots. You'd have right. to say, you'd, like... You'd have to, like, cross your T's and dot your I's, you know? Like, and 
And and even then, they would still have to get approval from the White House to to go ahead on an operation like that. Understandably so, there's some oversight there because, you know, even though, you know, traditionally speaking, cyber attacks aren't like a traditional act of war, I think the results of those cyber attacks are tantamount to an act of war, right? When when one of your facilities explodes because you've been attacked by a cyber warfare, it doesn't matter that it's not physical, right? So it doesn't matter that they didn't send a missile over to attack you. Like the the effects of it, you know, like the the ends don't justify the means. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, in, in that case, there's there was previously oversight where the intelligence agencies had to really button up their case and show that there was a direct need to do this like offensive attack, and now they don't need to do that anymore. At least since 2018, allegedly. And I guess I guess the argument was is we gotta you know we need to uh, cut these guys some slack because there's so much hacking that we need to do and there's so many other powers that have the ability to hack us or you right. know, do cyber warfare against mm-hmm. us that they need the authority they don't they these decisions need to be uh, made at the uh, on the ground level the ones who are seeing the threats are the ones who are operating in the threats not by some bureaucrat so they need a, a, as much autonomy as possible. That's that's basically you know their 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 reasoning behind this. Um, but what was interesting. I'm going to continue reading. The very aggressive finding gave the agency very specific authorities to really take the fight offensively to a handful of adversarial countries," said a former U.S. government official. Mm-hmm. These countries include Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, which are mentioned directly in the document, but the finding potentially applies to others as well, according to another former official. The White House wanted a vehicle to strike back, said a second former official. Right. And this was the way to do it. Said a second former official. And can we Don't take you... like a like a yeah. quick aside about this really fast? Because we were talking about this before the show, and this is something that's starting to bother me. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to this show for some time, you know, I'm, I, it's not that I blindly follow a mainstream, um, you know, uh, ideology, but I'd like for us to have the ability, uh, to trust the intelligence agencies. There's supposed to be an intelligence agency for a reason, but ever since our last conversation specifically around, you know, um, the Russian bounties and how fucking crazy it was, uh, and, and largely bullshit, you know, it's, it's starting to make me look at every every single news article which is almost all of them at this point that is now pointing out some unnamed intelligence official says anything even if i believe it or it sounds plausible or it's been corroborated now suddenly i'm like yeah right that's bullshit and i hate that it's super weird like i don't like that at all yeah i agree and it's um you know you should be able to take some things at face value you know because like how are we going to know anything right like, how are we supposed to deliver information to one another if we object to every single narrative that's put out there? Right. And I just want to, you know, as much as I criticize uh, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or or um, the Washington Post, there are some really good journalists who work for these papers. Like, you mm-hmm. can't just discredit. It's not a monolith. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's not one writer you know who's producing all these stories it's, it's a team of writers and sometimes stories get killed or there's pressure from the, their editors and sometimes you know the, the editors have pressure from their top-ups and you know the 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 institution as a whole it has corporate pressure from 
you know whatever corporate corporate uh, corporation owns them it's like there's a whole uh level of, of pressures that you know make these stories the way they are i don't think that people who get into journalism are necessarily like getting in into journalism for the thrill of deceiving people mm-hmm. um and i think that not not everything is you know based off deception but there's some stuff that it clearly is based off deception um and it it seems more and more like the afghanistan story that we talked about about the bounty story it's it really does uh seem to me based off my view it really does seem like there is some some uh uh intention to deceive people and to to really kind of keeping people in uh, troops in afghanistan um, you can take cases revolving a lot of the wars over the past 20 years, not just past 20 years, past really 40, since ever, to be completely honest. But um, it, I, I understand your point. Like, we should be able to take some things at face value. And it's unfortunate that you have to be a kind of a conspiracy kook at some times <laughs> and be like, oh, I mean, it's all, it's all lies, fake news, fake news. Because right. now fake news is just like the new weapon for like meaning news I don't like or news right. that I don't agree with. <laughs> that I don't agree fake with news, fake news. Right? Yeah, yeah, news news I don't agree with is now the new. But I mean, know, like coming back to like like this exact thing when we were talking earlier about you know the uh, the the industrial shed that had the the doors blown off, and I was saying earlier that you know um, the fact the the fact that we see these you know aerial photography of, of the. Uh, of the facility and how the doors are blown off of it and how it's implying that there was an internal explosion going outwards. So either something normally fucked up inside Iran and Iran is just really bad at doing things or uh, a bomb was smuggled in. And, you know, the New York Times here is quoting a Middle Eastern intelligence official saying that Israel planted a bomb at the Natanz um, nuclear facility in that building where Iran was, you know, working on those centrifuges. And uh, this was corroborated, evidently, by the Times of Israel, who apparently doxed them, uh, or kind of. They said that the official is probably a Mossad head, uh, the the Mossad head, uh, Yossi Cohen, but who knows, right? Um, so, you know, that's what was super interesting and, like, frustrating about reading, you know, this uh, about this story was that, on the one hand, you know, I'm looking at the evidence and I'm saying, okay, I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, yeah, it does look like there might have been a bomb on the inside and trying to piece it together. And then the New York Times says some intelligence official says that the Israelis did it. And I'm like, oh, you just fucking ruined it for me. You know, like I was trying to figure it out and now you're making me doubt it. You know, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's annoying. I mean, some of the stuff is accurate. Yeah. Um, but. I know it just seems crazy to me that they would be able to get a bomb in there. You know, it's. I mean, it they've seems... done some pretty crazy shit. Like they've murdered. They straight up murdered, like, uh, um, nuclear scientists in Iran and like escaped on motorcycles, like some fucking Call of Duty, like chapter. They, like, allegedly. We also have to point out the fact that this is all allegedly, because you know Israel doesn't necessarily come out and say that they did these things. But from what N- you hear, <laughs> Yahoo is like, "Why do you always think it's Israel who does it? You don't do everything bad to Iran." Yeah, I mean, I was reading this one article, um, you know, saying uh, like about who did this, and like the way that Israel and specifically Benny Gantz um, points out, it, like they don't deny it; they just kind of say weird shit. Here's here's a quote. Um, so. 
when asked by the reporters, uh, is Israel to blame for the Iranian attacks, um, Benny Gantz says, he's, he's the Israeli defense minister, by the way, Benny Gantz says, not every incident that transpires in Iran necessarily has something to do with us, right? So it's like, you're not saying, no, it wasn't us. And you're also opening the door and saying, maybe some of the things are us, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, why are you being so opaque? Uh, another one um, had said, uh, Foreign Minister Gabi Ashkenazi said, Iran cannot be allowed to have nuclear capabilities. Uh, we take actions that are better left unsaid. It's like, how do we not think that you do everything, <laughs> that you've done everything when you talk like that? You know, it's weird. Super weird. When they really neither confirm or deny things. It's yeah, it's like, super. And, it's, but it's not even just like being quiet about it. Like when, because the same article like had sent um, requests to the National Security Agency and a bunch of other like U.S. agencies and they just don't get any responses. Right. So they just, they literally don't say anything. Like the U.S. says nothing. But the Israeli security apparatus does say something. And it's like they just say, they just say enough. Like just say enough to get you to maybe think it was them. But like not not be able to bring them to court about it, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I like it or hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds very likely it could be the CIA who did it though. Yeah, you know, much. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't. They're they're definitely not the only suspect in this mm -hmm. case. It's definitely or or I mean maybe it's just that it's a, a joint co uh, covert a collusion, operation. if you will. No, it's a joint covert <laughs> operation that happened all the time between intelligence agencies. Yeah. Um, it could be an operation with the CIA and a Mossad together. Like, obviously, Israel has its own cyber warfare forces um, that they they essentially draft kids out of school who right. are who show a talent for uh, computer science. So, you know, it's kind of funny because um, do you know who the guy? Do you know who? This is a side note. Uh, you know who Michael Savage is. Mm, the you name rings a bell. Um, the name rings a bell. Who, who, who is that? He's a conservative siren in the background. He's a conservative siren. Oh yeah, I know that guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a fucking Bill O'Reilly. Conservative siren. <laughs> motherfucking sirens. Fuck. Fuck. Motherfuck. All right. Smoking weed, smoking, drinking beers. All right. Um, Michael Savage is a conservative conservative talk show personality, mm -hmm. and um, he's fucking nuts. Like he's very, very extreme, extremely right wing, and he was suggesting that the U.S. draft kids with high computer they're basically saying do what israel does with their compulsory service mm -hmm. um the u.s should be doing the same thing with kit with uh students who are skilled uh in computer science that they should be drafted to to go fight islamic terror with computers that's I basically mean, what he was saying it's, but it's honestly a good idea i don't i don't know about forced conscription but it's a good idea because honestly the the future of warfare will be cyber yeah, but how are you going to fight Islamic terror with cyber attacks? You disrupt you can, their communication lines. You know, if you they can't their, if they can't communicate, they can't organize and they can't do terror. But but they're going to do they're going to they're going to do what, small like go, scale like go to, shit. Like go to their web, like go to their websites and and like completely shut it down or like track their you know track their location using IP. You know, 
and be able to tip off boots on the ground or a fucking drone where to strike or like but they can find ways to communicate that would not be would they not could. Be they private. could if you, but if, if you, you look at if you look at isis radios, and how if you look at if you specifically radios, ISIS, they wouldn't be able to do that would they no not with radio no you're right but if you look at specifically how isis grew so quickly they dominated social media you know both for recruiting and also for organization right and so the idea is if that was you know such a large scale caliphate which is what they were was able to come off the ground through fucking Twitter and shit, you know, like and, it was and a lot more pages, than just Twitter you know? like, and social media. It, yeah, like that had an effect. All right, it had so a huge effect. That I was see- a huge organizing effect for them, you know. And like the idea that we should use cyber warfare against um, against like groups like that is a good idea. Like it's a good tactical idea. Just shut them down. I, I don't think that it would prevent. It would. Prevent it wouldn't prevent it, but it would certainly be a useful fucking these, tool. These group, these groups from forming up. Because, no, it wouldn't prevent yeah, them like, from forming. But they, could use, so they could find they. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. They were recruiting, yeah, on the internet they were. They were recruiting people from like Soviet bloc states and they were recruiting people from from Europe, from like and the United propaganda. States. They got in the some United of ours States, too. But mm-hmm. the, the vast majority, the majority of the people in ISIS were from Af- were from the Middle East and Africa. Um, second to that were former Soviet bloc states, and then it was Europe, and then it was America. So maybe they can cut off the block between um, between uh, you know like the European and U.S. states, but they'd still be able to find ways to recruit from the Soviet bloc states. This is this is funny. So one of our viewers here, Marshall Maddox, just posted. Lol, hey, my nephew is 11 and got suspended for bypassing the school's firewall and the principal recommended to my sister to find him an instructor. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe the CIA will recruit your uh, your nephew there, Marshall, <laughs> uh, for their cyber warfare against terrorists. Put him to good yeah. use. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like X-Men. It's like a uh, special, special <laughs> school, school of gifted mutants. nerds. <laughs> School for gifted nerds that do cyber attacks. I'm sure like some of these nerds would love it. They're like, yeah, the CI selected me for my badass computer skills. <laughs> Time to take on the 
time to take on Putin. <laughs> but uh, I forget the point that I'm trying to make. I, I'm just trying. The, the point I'm trying to make is that they could use unconventional ways to 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 speak with each other and communicate with each other, especially in countries that do have Islamic, you know, pr- pretty p- high Muslim populations, like in southern Russia and yeah. Chechnya and places like that. But um, where were we before? Before we went on this ta- tangent. Um, help me, that me, give me, give me back. We were talking about. Oh yeah, the school, Michael Savage. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we were talking about. So he wanted to. Um, he was suggesting that we start recruiting kids, um, which, it, which I thought was was crazy to to conscript kids, but um, again, like we don't know totally if it was a cyber attack or if it, if it was a cyber attack or if it was a, a bomb i'm kind of leaning towards it was most likely a cyber attack based off what what i've read yeah i mean it could have been because those were were centrifuges you know like they were they were spinning up some uranium so it's totally possible that it could have been a cyber attack for sure it would have been easier to do a cyber attack honestly yeah it would be way easier to do that i don't know how you would be able to get people inside a facility or a building um, I, I don't know how you would be able to consistently do that six times without dropping a bomb from an airplane. <laughs> uh, you know, how do how does a ragtag group of Houthi rebels fly? You know, a drone across the desert to do, but they're hiding in. <laughs> all right, these are these are guys who are hiding in the desert, and they're do in this desert in the mountains or the you know the low mountains that they have over there in northern mm. Yemen and southern Saudi Arabia. Um, they're fighting like a essentially a conventional warfare. They're not sneaking into Riyadh, or they're not sneaking into Saudi Arabia and destroying infrastructure. Like when they did, when they did take a hit at the um, their their largest oil processing facility, they did it with drones. Right. You know, right. It was indirect. It with, so, yeah. I was being. But, but like, then again, going back, that's something like... that's still disputed. Like we don't know entirely <laughs> what happened there yeah. because we don't. The facts still aren't clear if it was an Iranian ballistic missile, or if it was drones, or if it were both. Like Correct. we still we still don't even know the full story on that. Right. Um, and probably never really will know the full story on probably how not, that no. took, how that took down, how oh. that went down. But I think it's safe to blame both the the, the U.S. and the Israelis probably doing it doing it as a as a joint, like a joint operation. operation. Yeah. All right. What was the last thing I fucking read here? So, um, this finding, the finding has made it easier for the CIA to damage adversaries' critical infrastructure, such as petrochemical plants, and to engage in the kind of hack-and-dump operations that Russian hackers in WikiLeaks popularized, in which trenches of stolen documents or data are leaked to journalists or posted on the Internet. It has also freed the agency to conduct disruptive operations against organizations that were largely off limits previously, such as banks and other financial institutions. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really so big ha- news. Yeah. That's so huge. hack and dump. A hack and dump is basically uh, what you do after you eat shepherd's pie. A hack and dump. <laughs> hack. No, a hack and dump is like what happened to Sony from the after North Korea when they hacked Sony and then dumped all of their personal information on the internet and like, you know, embarrassed them and shit like that. So that would be a hack or and when dump. They, or when they do like, um, when, you know the game The Last of Us? The mm-hmm. PlayStation game? You yeah. ever hear of it? Mm-hmm. 
You ever play it? No, but I just got a PS4, so I might pick it up. Get the first one, um, but the second one, um, the spoiler, the it's a story-based game. Like People play it because it has a really good story. Mm-hmm. And someone apparently hacked, or at least Sony says that somebody hacked uh, Naughty Dog to... Oh, to like show what was going to happen. Spoilers, mm-hmm, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing that happened to Game of Thrones season, uh, the last season of Game of Thrones. Remember right. how someone apparently hacked it, and then there was enough people to write about it on Reddit, and it all ended up being true. Right. That happened to that happened to Sony with a with a video game, and a lot of people were were uh, pissed about some of the things in the story. Yeah, I mean, you know, hack and dumps, you know, when we're talking about, like, entertainment and shit, like, pisses us off, but, like, a hack and dump can be potentially very dangerous yeah, be, for, like, be very if dangerous. you're doing it against a financial institution or, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, an energy or utility company, you know, <laughs> like, like the, the stakes are much, much higher. Um, did you hear about uh, this other theory that it was, like, an internal, like, it was an inside job? in iran like it wasn't incompetence in iran and it wasn't like a cia op or some shit like that that it was like an internal like an inside job did you hear about that it was the iranians who did it to themselves yeah but like like separatists i did did not hear about so you said you think it was like an mek type group yeah so evidently this guy was um, if it was if it was a physical attack that would that would be the way that they they would do it yeah to like get a bomb or an anti anti uh um an anti uh iranian government organization there's there's this guy gr goal he's a reporter for bbc bbc persian and he reported on monday uh just after midnight that um uh june 30th that he got an email uh from some group called the homeland cheetahs i'm gonna say that again the homeland cheetahs and it's like a, a group that's um, mostly like dissidents within the uh, Iranian military and security forces. Sounds like a minor league baseball team. <laughs> the Homeland, Homeland Cheetahs. <laughs> but apparently they said that they blow, they blown up uh, the facility at uh, Natanz two hours earlier. That was the email he got, right? And then, you know, the dude, the, the reporter went online to see if anybody was talking about it. And he didn't see anything. And then like several hours later, Iran's atomic energy organization announced that there had been an incident at that same plant so we have you know an email coming from a mysterious shittily named you know dissident group inside of you know iran called the homeland cheetah saying claiming responsibility for it but um you know the the result only turned up several hours later now obviously it's iran so they probably didn't report on it for several hours so that seems likely um but there is that right and if we're going back to the, like internal bomb idea if this group is comprised of military uh and security like like uh, dissidents then it's possible that one they could have get, gotten their hands on the ordinance right the actual bomb itself and two it's possible that they might have had clearance to get inside the building which would have made it much easier than say i don't know israel doing like a Mossad operation and like planting a bomb inside right um, so that's like another level of like what happened here, you know? It's like a crazy ass story. Well, I mean, that happened when when the Mossad assassinated those those Iranian scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know, back in two thousand what ten eleven? Like no, I think it was like five or three. I had a list of like all of the assassinations up at one point, and then I 
totally lost it. Let me see if I can't find it. Keep talking. But, yeah, that was back in the day, um, at least in early 2000. Oh, you're right, 2010. Yeah, you're 100% right. 12th January 2010. uh, Booby-trapped motorcycle parked near uh, the scientist's car exploded. That was in... And then in October 12th, 2010, uh, an explosion occurred at the IRGC military base uh, near the city of Khorramabad, killing 18 soldiers. And then again in November of 20, November 29th, 2010, two a senior Iranian nuclear scientist, Majid Shahariari, sorry, I'm butchering these names, and Feriardun Abbasi, were targeted by hitmen on motorcycles who attached bombs on their car and detonated them from a distance. Yeah, this is crazy shit. So it was 2010. 2010, a lot. Like three or four times, at least. So that was like right after Netanyahu um, assumed office for his second run as prime minister. Right. But like, I, I, what I've always read about Netanyahu was that he was more of a bomb, a bomb Iran guy than, a, than assassinate iran guy it was like ariel sharon who was more of like let's assassinate these scientists yeah i mean like a lot of people said that obama wasn't an assassinate kind of guy and then he just started doing extrajudicial killings so you know sometimes you know sometimes shit happens (laughs) obama became the ultimate uh assassinate type of guy right right so so another key change with the findings is it lessened the evidentiary requirements that limited the CIA's ability to conduct covert mm-hmm. cyber operations against entities like media organizations, charities, religious institutions, or businesses believed to be working on behalf of adversaries, right. foreign intelligence services, as well as individuals affiliated with these organizations, according to former officials. So, um, yeah, like we were saying before, like, you have to take I guess prior you had to take time to to take a while it took a while to link specific organizations to the government yeah, and now they're just like hey I think maybe it possibly was them let's go ahead and hit them with a cyber attack <laughs> but yeah. it's just they just do it with impunity they don't care right. like media media like oh this media company is there, there's no like you can you can just take down somebody's I guess in theory, you'd be able to take someone's like YouTube channel, like hack just some individual yeah. civilian who maybe blogs or something like that. You that could do would be considered a media organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could. The CIA has wasted no time in exercising the new freedoms won under Trump. Since the finding was signed two years ago, the agency has carried out at least a dozen operations that were on its wish list, according to this formal official. This has been a combination of destructive things, stuff is on fire and exploding, and also public dissemination of data leaking or things that look like leaking. You know, it was Obama, when Obama was leaving office, apparently there was an operation in place that they wanted to, um, they wanted to do a hack and dump on stories of um, of like of Russian officials that were embarrassing to their personal life, but mm-hmm. Obama apparently um, said he nixed it. Get, he yeah he nixed it at the end of it, mm-hmm. and then Trump didn't want to pursue it either um, when he assumed office. But it's I don't know. It's all it's all interesting. I don't really I, I don't really know about all this stuff to be completely honest. As I mean, as people know, well, I'm kind not, of I don't I'm think probably we're with. Know. 
I'm you know? pretty I'm pretty much anyone's guess is as good as mine of what's what's happening but certainly seems like we don't even know if this Yahoo article is connected to what's going on in Iran it's just kind of it's it's um interesting that you know this article was published um you know as these random attacks are going on but I mean they very could be they very could be interconnected. I mean, obviously they're interconnected because, it, but it's a covert operation to to cause misery on Iran. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's the only thing. Whether or not we'll ever know who's behind it is is up for debate. But I guess maybe we can just talk a little bit about like like assuming that it is the U, like a joint operation between the U.S. and the uh, you know Israelis, which seems fairly likely like i honestly don't think the homeland cheetahs orchestrated this shit <laughs> like, i don't know don't really have a ton of faith in those guys whoever they are um <laughs> like why i mean I, I think i think they're part affiliated with mek mek does terror they have terrorist attacks in iran they, they have they're they're a terrorist organization i don't know if i put it i i don't know if i'd give them the credit to do something like that yeah i mean this like, just i mean like the reason why i don't think it could be this homeland cheetah folks is because it's they're targeting too many sensitive like you know um military infrastructure you know too much sensitive military infrastructure like if they wanted to do something that's going to cause like an insurrection they would do straight up terrorism right they would bomb a fucking school or some shit like that you know yeah like why would they bomb a center like who like how does that how does that help an internal dissident military dissident you know what this could help is you know both well, what, what do they the care States, yeah you know like, what do they give a shit about a nuclear program that Iran's nuclear program? Right. Why? Why would the U.S. or Israel care? Or no. Why would internal? the homeland cheetahs care? Exactly. Like, they don't think that they're, they're obviously not the ones going to be bombed. They're not doing it for altruistic reasons. Like, exactly. Oh, we need to save America from getting nuked by Iran. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> we need to save, I mean, they, they used to be on the terrorist list. Um, until recently until right. you know we saw them as a tool to use as a bulwark against the ayatollah mm-hmm. but so i mean like occam's razor would probably indicate that this is likely a joint operation um for the u.s and, and israel and the reason why is just because they have the most to benefit from this right um which is crazy to say out loud um but like if you look at like the reasons why it could be israel as an example i think saw a really good article um, uh, by the Washington Post uh, talking about how Israel has been allegedly doing this. Um, and it kind of sets it up by saying, you know, this is all like a run-up from, you know, pulling out of the, the United States, pulling out of the uh, JCPOA back in May 2018 and kind of culminating in the 2020, you know, January 2020 uh, drone strike on uh, Soleimani. Um, but evidently there are four big reasons why it's probably Israel. Uh, and I'll kind of summarize some of those here. Uh, the one would be that Israel thinks that Iran is weak right now. Um, so they, they list out a couple reasons, right? So there's been a U.S. maximum pressure campaign on them for like sanctions and shit. Uh, the pandemic has hit them particularly hard. Uh, they have something like 11,000 reported deaths uh, in their country there. And, you know, a lot of cases really stretched uh, healthcare system there. Uh, and then the aftermath of last fall's massive protest. So they, they went through a giant protest in their own country. Um, and they're, you know, basically putting it back together from then. 
Uh, and then just kind of a common view from is- in Israel that Iranians are just basically sticking it out until the Trump administration ends, you know, because they think they'll get a better, uh, you know, deal under the Biden presidency if that is the case. So they think they're weak, right? Uh, Israel thinks they're weak. So that's like a good reason why they would just keep hitting them with shit because they're weak right now. What? So you think they're trying to get some last shots in if Trump loses? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, there's more. Uh, so there's this um, octopus doctrine, which I don't quite understand exactly. I tried Googling it more, but like it just doesn't make sense to me. Evidently, um, this dude, uh, uh, Naftali Bennett, who was a, um, a politician, an Israeli politician, coined the octopus doctrine, which basically involves um, directly attacking Iranian personnel in Syria and Iraq instead of doing like these shadow you know, proxy war kind of things, right? And if you look at it, they've been doing that, right? They've been bombing, you know, Quds forces in Syria and in Iraq, which is already super hot, you know? Um, So, you know, part of it is that, you know, just an extension of the octopus doctrine, you know, of hitting Iran in these these countries. Um, There's also just like, as we've been kind of beating to death, the, you know, the history of targeting nuclear sites in the region that Israel had. So, they listed out a couple of them. So they bombed the Iraqi nuclear reactor in Osirak in 1981. They bombed a, a Syrian nuclear facility in, at um, Al-Kibar in 2007. Uh, and they were allegedly a part of the Stuxnet thing that we just talked about with the United States in 2009. You know, So like they have a history of hitting regional nuclear sites. So And this was a regional nuclear site. They also have a, they also have a history of, of working with Iran to bomb Iraqi Exactly. Uh, the chemical sites. Exactly, exactly. Right? So it's like they have a history of this, right? And then finally, the last one, which would be the, the Trump administration, isn't isn't doing anything about it, right? So depending on, like, which, you know, articles you read or, like, whose opinions you value, you know, it's either the Trump administration is just looking the other way or they're outright giving them the green light to go ahead and do that, right? But either way you look at it, it, it does not appear that the United States is going to stop Israel from doing any of these things, nor does it have a stance, an outward, the current administration doesn't have an outward stance against Israeli intervention uh, in the Middle East against Iran at all. Like, that's not something that um, that you would ever hear out of the Trump administration. So, you know, a combination of those four things, you know, pretty firmly, you know, uh, uh, kind of pins it on them. It's going to be interesting to see what, Joe Biden, if he wins, what their Israel policy is like. Yeah, I'm super interested. I don't know what their policy it's gonna is. It's going to be very, very pro-Israel. Like, it's not It's not like it's going to be like Netanyahu's great fear. Like, oh, no, we lost America. It's they're going to be you know, like, very, very heavily. They, they're going to give lip, ser- lip service to like, hey, don't annex um the rest of the what you know don't annex don't annex um, the west bank right and that's 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 kind of what i'm pointing out though because i think that much but they'll do it anyway they won't and there won't be a consequence yeah i mean you know how trump ran on like a let's pull out of the foreign wars kind of platform right for no foreign wars they're stupid and a lot of people like that right myself included um but when he actually did get in office like this the the powers that be of his party basically pushed him propelled him towards more war more forever war in the region right so like 
I'm wondering. Well, he actually is pulling out a little bit. Like, there's, yeah. they started moving withdrawals out of Afghanistan and Syria. Like, less like, troops. Uh, I think, I there think he's are, been much there more are escalation against Iran. Wars. You know, he became president. I think he's been much no, more aggressive towards Iran. I, I agree be, with you. That's the negative. You like, know, the the positive is that on places like Afghanistan and Syria, there has been a withdrawal. There's been a withdrawal right. overall of U.S. forces, but the chances for he's just war moving the chess Iran pieces around. Greater. You know, it's like yeah, it's I, I'm I gonna take him out of here, but I'm gonna put him in there, and you know, it's like I'm gonna take him out of Iraq and I'm gonna stick him in Saudi Arabia. You know, like to just stave off the Iranian threat it's like that's not that's not what he that's not what he said right like from from my opinion from when I was hearing him talk about it he wanted to pull them out because it was a financial nightmare like why would why are we spending so much money being there and we don't even like these people we're not even getting any of the oil you know like why what are we this is a bad deal we're getting a raw deal you know but the powers that be for the Republican Party or just conservatives or war hawks in general whatever you want to call them you know they kind of influence him such that like his his stated positions on the trail didn't materialize, right? Or at least not to the extent that he, that many people would have hoped. So when I'm thinking about Biden, I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's got this, you know, past. He's not a fucking dove, right? Like he was right there with Obama drone striking the shit out of the Middle East. So, you know, it makes me think like, oh, he's probably going to be the same proponent shit. of the Iraq war. Exactly. Big component of the, uh, proponent of the Iraq war, but the powers that be on the liberal left might be strong enough to dissuade him to do so and it might shift or toe his line his like mostly war hockey line hard enough to go a different route what power is it what power is it be on on the on the liberal left like like the the cancel culture folks you know like the the, you know like i I feel like cancel culture folks more (laughs) they're more concerned about you know transgressions and microaggressions well, and what's what, going on in the Middle East. What bigger transgression than, you know, annexing the the West Bank? Yeah, tell that tell that to the people who want a virtue signal on Twitter about uh, being an anti-racist and tell them to go protest um, anything that Israel does. They're not going to do it because there's actual consequences of doing that. Like a lot of these people are just people who are virtue signaling to their friends, but there's no risk in criticizing racism in the u.s there's risk in, in criticizing racism in israel so they're not going to actually do that and that that progressive base is not large enough or big enough or doesn't have enough influence to influence joe biden's foreign policy decisions there is a progressive base that actually um you know really wants changes um a lot of them were bernie supporters um but a lot of people on the left and not everyone on the left. There's a lot of people on the left who are great on foreign policy and they dedicate themselves to it. But uh, a lot of them don't really care about what the U.S. is doing. Even even Ilan Omar is has uh, has uh, gotten more hawkish on uh, on U.S. foreign policy over the years. I mean, look what the Democrats did in Afghanistan. The, the Democrats voted to add stipulations to Trump's withdrawal in Afghanistan. Right, that like were all ridiculous, these kinds of conditions. Right. Yeah, we talked that about were, that. That, in the last that were ridiculous. Episode, right? So I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't look at the Democratic Party at all as a bunch of doves. I think, in a lot of ways, they are just as compromised as uh, the Republican Party, if not more, in some in, in, in some aspects right now. 
uh, to the military industrial pro- uh, uh, the military industrial complex. So that kind of complicates things a little bit on the Iran side, though, because but you know there I is that, that running theory that that they're just kind of holding out. Like they're the reason why they didn't attack fucking you know um, more strongly after the Soleimani attack was because. They didn't want to set up this situation in Trump's final year of presidency where now they're going to get they're going to have spark this kind of like rally around the flag kind of deal. And then Trump gets reelected because wartime presidents typically get reelected, you know. And so Do you watch MSNBC, man, like they are the most they're basically the Fox News of now, like they're the Fox News of 2002, 2003. Very, very. They they have all former CIA guys who are contributors to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Brennan was a contributor to it. It's all just ant- very, very hostile rhetoric towards towards Russia, also Iran. Um, you know there was, you know they didn't cover the war in Yemen for I think it was like a, a, almost a year and a half. Year, it was yeah. something mm-hmm. ridiculous, like to not cover a major war that's going on in the world or a major humanitarian crisis and. So many ex- uh, ex- uh, six, um, so many days in a row. Uh, so I, I wouldn't really count on like the the liberal corporate left to to have a uh, foreign policy that's much better than Trump's. I think in some ways it will be maybe a little bit better. In some ways it will be worse. I think it will be a lot more hostile towards Russia. Maybe less hostile. Maybe more inclined to make deals with Iran in in terms of getting back into JCPOA. Uh, but I think overall they'll probably be a lot more pro-NATO, uh, more expansionist policy uh, in, in, on Russia's gate, on Russia's doorstep, uh, more hostile activity towards towards Russia as a whole, which I think is a lot scarier than having a hostile um, policy towards Iran, even though that's really bad as well. I think both are. I think both are bad. Like so, I will. I don't necessarily think that either one is really better. I think they're both bad equally They're bad the Republican I'm just curious how, how that pans out you know because there is that like I said there is that theory that the uh, Iranians are just being quiet right now because they they anticipate for them uh, it's probably it's definitely better it's definitely better to get the for the average Iranian uh, Trump has been the really you know one of the most anti-Iran presidents what like since since Eisenhower, since Eisenhower overthrew them, you Probably. know, um, he. I'd have to review. I'd have to review George W. Things, Bush again, but like probably. I mean, he was he was a, a bastard too, but Trump Trump's policy towards Iran is really just to be as mean as possible, right? And I hate to use such like kind of childish I mean, language. That's, that's really what it the, seems yeah, like to be just, as mean as possible, mean, right? And to uh, make their living conditions so bad that they're forced to come to a, a a deal. But this type of stuff has been going on forever. Like Barack Obama, he co-authored the initial sanctions that were put on Iran in the mm-hmm. first place when he was in, when he was uh, in the House. So it's not like he came in with some altruistic attitude of wanting to, you know, come and smooth out relationships with right. Iran. You know, he he had been anti-Iran. Like it, being anti-Iran is just part of the political makeup. It's part of the establishment view right. in in Washington. The status quo in Washington. It's, yeah. it's a status quo. So I don't really project that many policy changes. I I think that there would be probably more of an effort to to make to make some type of deal with them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think a lot of Trump's influence, the reason why Trump changed, flipped his, his foreign policy attitudes when he was elected is, is mainly, if you want to connect like the group of people, it, it's, you know, Jared Kushner and the connections over there and she- Sheldon Adelson, mm-hmm. um, who donated uh, millions of dollars to Republicans uh, in the House and in the Senate during those campaign during uh, during uh, the midterm elections. So a lot of it has to do with with his connections to, you know, certain certain people. Um, I think that's why he shifted, because even on Israel, Palestine, Trump was different before he started um, before he was he was elected president. You know, he was more like, hey, I can't take a side uh, if I'm going to be someone who negotiates the Middle East process. And then after he was elected, you know, that's when he started uh, basically doing everything that Netanyahu told him to do, such as uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the as the capital right. and and recognizing the Golan Heights and you know, really doing things whenever Netanyahu was in some type of political trouble, which has been, you know, since Trump has been elected, Benjamin Netanyahu has been in some type of political trouble uh, due to his his just outrageous corruption within within his between him and his wife and and just a lot of a lot of other things that there's not enough time in this podcast to get into but i mean he was indicted by the israeli police for corruption charges (laughs) like he was he was actively uh like they said he did something wrong the media companies we got you (laughs) so a lot of that happened during the election because mm-hmm. when Benny, when the blue and white party formed up together, I mean that that was a real legitimate threat to, to Netanyahu's, uh, you know, run at a prime minister. Mm-hmm. Like that was a very legitimate. I I thought that the blue and white at some. I I kind of always thought that Netanyahu was going to pull through because Netanyahu has the political endurance of like anyone. Like I don't think there's someone who has the same political endurance as, as Netanyahu on this face of the planet. <laughs> like he's so shameless and he's so like unbreakable as a politician. Like he just, he's, he's just, I, it's some, I, I oddly kind of respect it in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is able to go out with a cartoon bomb and talk about to, in, in, in the U.S. Congress. Yeah, <laughs> Iran is six months away from the. He's the, got balls, man. He's got balls. He's just—he's so shameless, and I don't think Benny Gantz had the same political uh, endurance that Netanyahu ultimately had to like just keep on going at like election after election. Oh, so, we're gonna have to have another election. Can't form a government. We have to do another election. <sighs> like I don't think I don't think Gantz was was uh was ready to do that mm-hmm. especially once COVID 19 hit they're like all right fuck it like just you win <laughs> you you win well it's well just let's just make a unity government just give me a position and uh it ended up it ended up being like <laughs> such a such a funny thing but yeah i think that's that's trump's you know major major issue that's so, why he hired john bolton that so bastard opinion like, opinion <laughs> question though so do you think that you know some escalating conflicts with iran would be positive for the Trump administration in this election year? That's an interesting question. I think it would be negative right now because people don't want to get into a war with the economic conditions that we're dealing with in this country with COVID-19, with lockdowns and, and um, you know, all the negative things that are going on right now in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think that people can really stomach a war. Um, so I think most people would largely be against a, a escalation with Iran. But it depends on what type of escalation. Like, if it was an escalation where there was, like... It really depends, like, because it, it can, it can, that an escalation can be in so many ways. Like, what if there was a terrorist attack on U.S. soil that killed tens or or dozens or 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 hundreds of people in the U.S. and you know there was a propaganda outlet that you know that that did the same thing with the Kobar towers in Saudi Arabia and they blamed it on maybe like a Houthi, uh, not Houthi, but like a like a Hezbollah affiliate right. or something or like, like that. Cuts and they pointed force it or some to, shit like that, yeah. Yeah, they would probably say it was, you know, some Shia group or most likely a Hezbollah group, and um, you know they they any if any Shia probably killed a did an attack which is which hasn't happened on U.S. soil. You know they would direct it towards Iran. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mm. Um, but if it was like a military conflict where... There, that I, don't, I think that's highly unlikely. By the way, like I don't think that would 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 happen. Um, there there would be a terrorist attack like that. If there was a military escalation, though, like in the Strait of Hormuz, which has almost gone down many times mm-hmm. over the past three years, um, I, I think that most people in the U.S. probably wouldn't want to pursue like a, an actual an actual war but then there's like so many other questions like what does a war actually look like mm-hmm. with iran like mm-hmm. i don't think i think our our foreign policy establishment as as uh as many of the faults that they have a lot of them don't want to go into an unwinnable situation like a war with iran um that would be an absolute catastrophe if we're talking if we're talking about like a full-on like you know our ships first their speed their suicide speedboats mm-hmm. in the Strait of Hormuz like well we all already you know, know how that how that goes down yeah it's not great for us um I, I kind of agree with you man um I think for, probably for different reasons um I think that it would be positive uh for you know Trump's base if uh Iran you know purportedly struck first you know of course under you know like if iran struck us first whether that be in the you know gulf or you know did some proxy shit you know to hit americans i think um if they can make a strong enough case that that this was linked to iran i think uh, a lot of people um specifically in trump's base would would rally behind that um marshall here one of our viewers uh, also points out that it would give 
us cause to get behind, like give us a cause to get behind. Uh, it would cover up for like race riots and COVID-19 and stuff like that. So it'd be pretty positive for the Trump administration, um, you know, to like kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, I kind of agree with that, even if I think it's kind of fucked up. Um, and, you know, I think if you look at these attacks in Iran or these incidents in Iran as cyber attacks and the increasing frequency of them and also just the general timing uh, of when they're happening, um, it, an argument could be made that we're just we're poking the bear, you know, until they until they lash out and do something stupid. Like I think killing uh, Soleimani on the on the premise that they killed Soleimani, which was fucking absolute bullshit. Didn't didn't uh, rep Lee? He was like, oh, this is this this is the worst. Like he said, it was the like, worst the worst intelligence briefing of his entire career. Right, and this is a Republican a career Republican. Not, I mean, Mike Lee is a little bit more of a he, he's kind of like a Rand Paul libertarian. But still, uh, but still, you know, freedom Republican. But he's no Democrat. He, he, he's not a <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Democrats are are bad too. Like, no, I'm just saying he's he's on, not on. He's not like an anti. He's not like or something he's like not that, an anti. Yeah. He's not an anti Trumper. Right. But he he. I remember seeing him say on Twitter before the intelligence brief that he was excited to see it. Mm -hmm. So he was like. Okay, like let's see. Why did you? What? What? What, what were these evil Iranians doing? Like that was his attitude. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. after he left, he was like, "This he, is this, fucking. This stupid. was the yeah. stupidest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. Like it was a complete lie. Everything that came out about Soleimani, right? How he was actively coordinating a attack on U.S. embassies and all this crazy shit. They got him in the middle of a diplomatic mission. Like he was right. out. He was." Coming back from Saudi Arabia on a diplomatic on a diplomatic mission to ease tensions because Iran and Saudi Arabia were kind of talking things out. Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia wanted to and still wants to end the terrible war that they're in against against the Houthis. Right. So they're they're talking to Iran, trying and to figure it out, right? Trying to figure stuff out, and on his way back, they kill him, and that decision was made months months ago like right. months ago it wasn't it had nothing to do with that embassy that was a, that was attacked no, that was just a convenient different. like uh, excuse it was a, it was a very convenient excuse and you know Soleimani is the fact that they killed Soleimani it was so brazen I thought that was like that was the straw if that was going to be the strike I still didn't think that Iran was going to uh, react by killing U.S. soldiers. You know what they ended up doing was just firing a bunch of missiles into a hangar with no one there. Right. It's kind of like what know, the U.S. did in uh, Venezuela. Uh, a a symbolic, was, yeah, burning the grass or whatever. You know. Yeah, a, a symbolic like fit. Uh, or, or yeah, like a little tantrum, rage, like a controlled a, tantrum. You know, a controlled ta tantrum, right. but not actually. But th that's that's my point, though. You know, it's like we the person that will probably pulverize you. There was that that we definitely took you know responsibility for, and that was outward. It was overt, not covert. But then we see all of these other covert things that happens, you know, over and over and over again, just kind of like fucking with them, you know, like pushing their buttons, kind of like when you know when you're a kid and somebody's like, "I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you," you know, like waving their hand in your face or whatever. And then after a while, you're just like, "Yo, fuck you," and you like just throw a punch or something like that and suddenly you're the bad guy you know um so 
But there's always there's always been covert actions against Iran. It's, it's going back to um, every at every this president frequency, since though, at every this, at every this president frequency? at this frequency with Trump. Um, so like I think it comes probably, and goes. Probably like, like not. We were just but, reading about in 2010 there was like four attacks from the Israelis on on Iran within Iran, right? Like these covert operations. But then it got like relatively quiet, you know, and there was operations for sure in between. But like talking about like the frequency and the duration in between each of the operations, like it seems concerted. It seems well thought out and planned. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we're in a time where we're in a tight election race, right, for the U.S. and uh, a time for Israel where, you know, they're potentially making a move that's wildly unpopular in the, you know, on the world stage. You know, why not divert attention away from them, you know, in that region and towards, you know, the the boogeyman of the region, you know, the uh, you know, the Ayatollah, Iran, you know. So to get to take to a distraction uh, to take people's minds off annexation. Right. And, and, and domestically here, a distraction to take people's minds off of, you know, the recession, the COVID-19, the presumably the race war that that is impending you know like just to kind of take people's minds and like do make a kind of rally around the flag situation you know because we do see like wartime presidents do very well in election seasons you know and you so ultimately you think that it's poking the bear to get a to ultimately get a reaction from somebody Mm -hmm. i think it's possible I i think it's probable i'm not saying that that is definitely the case but i think it's it sounds feasible to me like it sounds accurate why don't they do if they're gonna do? I don't want to give them ideas, but wouldn't it just be easy? Wouldn't it just be easier if they wanted to do that to like to um, embed themselves in some radical group there? And, and uh, that's you know. so old school, dude. Like I feel like that's not effective anymore. Like right now, all they want to oh, like it's easier for them to just sit at home and be a computer nerd, you know, and just like hack into their mainframe and blow We're some shit up. We're gonna take their Wi-Fi out until they, they We're gonna change their up. password from, you know, to, to like... We're gonna lock their phones. The Ayatollah sucks. <laughs> change your phone, their their screen protector to 6969. Yeah. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Um, it's... It's kind of funny because we've been talking... Danny and I have been talking about Iran-Contra a lot. Like, mm-hmm. um, just outside the podcast and we're going to do a podcast on Iran Contra soon a lot of I think Iran wants to avoid an October surprise mm. type situation or July surprise <laughs> or July surprise where, where Trump wins the election mm-hmm. um, because now based off like the betting odds at the very least he's not favored at least last time I checked I don't think the betting odds have changed no I don't think it's good for him right now now the the original October surprise was when when Reagan and Bush, they covertly met with the Iranian government to... All right, let me just go back to the propaganda mm-hmm. story. So this is what I was taught as a good conservative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, a young, as a young conservative. Um, this, is, this, is the, this is what you're taught. So Ronald Reagan is the chosen one right. for, for us. Like, he is the greatest president in U.S. history. Right. For for conservatives, this is um, I, I'm sure Democrats have their guy. It might be FDR, probably, or it, or is it JFK for for Democrats? Too short lived, but I think he, he was like you know, second coming, maybe I don't know. Too short lived. 
and it's Democrats will will grovel. They grovel a lot over Obama right now, mm-hmm. um, but they really grovel for like I think FDR is is probably number one at least in the twenty twenty. 20th modern and 21st century, modern, modern times. Yeah. So the Republican version of that is Ronald Reagan. Right. Ronald Reagan is a deity <laughs> in, in conservative households. All hail the Reagan. All all hail the Reagan. So here is like a major part of the mythology, and this is something that I was taught many times in conservative in a conservative household <laughs> that Jimmy Carter. So first of all, these crazy, ungrateful Iranians, they were doing so well with U.S. support. They were doing great. They had this Shah. They were getting progressive. They were, they were, you know, women were allowed to go out without a hijab. Um, They were just becoming a lot more Americanized. And this crazy religious nut, calling himself the Ayatollah, he went ahead and he overthrew the government. And they were also kind of communist, too. Let's throw that in there. Mm, They're crazy religious Islamic commies. They they turned our back on us. They said they don't like us anymore for some odd reason because they're so radical. And they, they threw us out and they took hostages. They took 55 hostages and held them in Tehran. For over a year. Bad guys. And Jimmy Carter was a weakling. Jimmy Carter did nothing. He just let those guys rot in in, in, that, in, in Tehran. And this was a huge crisis on the news every single day. There was, there was, a, there was like a, a clock. I mean, I didn't live in the 70s, or, or, but I, from what I know is that there was a counter, like, you know, it's day 20, it's day 50, day 78 of uh, hostages being held in, held in uh, by Iran. And the Iranians knew, though, that they couldn't keep this going because once Ronald Reagan was coming in, that Ronald Reagan wasn't going to take any shit from some fucking guy who, wears, who has a crazy hat. Right. Ronald Reagan doesn't fuck around. He's America. So I was told that this is part of the mythology that the, the, the Iranians were so scared of Ronald Reagan. They knew that he was going to take action as soon as he was elected, that they gave up. They gave back the hostages the day that he was elected. Can you believe that? Can't. I can't. No. <laughs> can, can you believe that? <laughs> so the reality, so the real story is, it's the truth, is that Ronald Reagan, the Reagan-Bush campaign, they covertly met with the Iranian government to prevent the release of the 55, hostages, 55 American hostages before the November election to damage Jimmy Carter's campaign. That was the real clue. Like it was not elected. It they. The hostages were released the day Ronald Reagan took office. Mm-hmm. So they covertly were they working with the Iranian government to ensure the hostages were rotting in there, were rotting in prison until Ronald Reagan and they it, promised a better a better deal. Right. And whatever it, what happened after that when Ronald Reagan took mm, office. Well, 
they started covertly funding Iran during the Iran-Iraq war. Mm -hmm. Also funding Saddam Hussein, but also for funding Iran. Right. It's the one of the most ridiculous things it's a, I've it's ever a Hollywood heard. movie plot 100% it's, it's one of the but it's one of the most like corrupt crazy like election scandals ever mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of drowned out in conservative mythology about Reagan the same thing kind of ha- you know the same thing happened with Nixon and Johnson right and I'm no fan of Lyndon B. Johnson but Lyndon B. Johnson was trying to get us out of he was trying to uh have a peace deal with the North Vietnamese, and according to to uh, Robert Perry, who uh, Robert Perry is a journal is is a is a journalist who passed away about two years ago, um, who wrote who's kind of the Iran Contra uh, guy who broke the Iran Contra for the Associated Press back in the eighties. Um, you know, he wrote heavily about the October surprise, and he wrote a lot about um, the October surprise that took place with Nixon and Carter. Uh, not next, uh, Nixon and Johnson, and Nixon did the same thing to Linda B. Johnson, where he covertly reached out to the North Vietnamese to prevent them from, uh, you know, finding a peace to the end of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And the war went on for another, what, four years, five years, and so, another twenty thousand soldiers were killed. So, what do you think? Do you think um, the Trump administration reached out to North Korea to make sure that that one guy who was being held by North Korea stayed in North Korea? No, I don't think that. I don't <laughs> think that they. I mean, who knows? I don't think that they they covertly reached out to any foreign government besides Israel. I don't know, man. I saw him shaking his hand one day. <laughs> I I don't I don't think that they're they're doing it. But it's just like it's such a kind of funny. It's just a. It's such you're just kind of like what, the, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And that whole the whole Iran Contra scandal that happens, uh, you know, in the Reagan office between a lot of the neoconservatives who were involved in uh, in 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 the Iraq War. It was kind of like their testing ground for a lot of like the propaganda that's used today. Um, it's just so fucking weird. They were funding. There's so many parts to it that it's hard. We need to dedicate an entire episode. But in short, they were they were publicly denouncing the Contras, who were trying to overthrow the Sandinista government, who was pro-communist, who mm-hmm. was a leftist government. Uh, they were denouncing the Contras because the Contras were basically terrorists at one point. They were covertly funding them through arms sales, through contraband sales to Iran, who they, who the U.S. agreed not to sell any weapons during the Iran and Iraq War. And in a, there were only so many black markets that were that they available, could move the shit through, right? That, that were available to fund this war mm-hmm. in Nicaragua, that they had to also. Uh, Get their get involved in the drug trades, the cocaine trades, <laughs> yep, and selling crack and shit. Yeah. So it's just a, a story about black mark, like just just complete malarkey and <laughs> insaneness that's going on in this in this really really brutal war. Mm-hmm. Like the Contras were ISIS level bad. Right. Like they were going into towns. Lopping people's heads off, they were shooting journalists. They're raping women and children. They got it. They you know they killed 
uh, a bunch of like nuns you know there's all these crazy atrocity stories and you know you can't the cia you can't go to congress and be like hey like we need money to fund this uh terrorist guys. organization yeah. you know we need we need money to, to fund this these terrorist organizations and, and honestly reagan they 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 cheered on it was kind of like the moderate rebels type of thing with with obama mm-hmm. like they're moderate because reagan they did say uh things about the contras like you know they're the equivalent of the founding fathers of america and stuff like yeah, that like they were the Minutemen or so yeah yeah and mean, meanwhile though you know there's story like the reporters down there are writing stories about how um how these guys are fucking massacring people and just carrying out all these types of, of, of atrocities and a lot of the journalists that were covering iran contra they got like shunned from the media like they it was it was a very difficult thing to write about it it was um like a lot of mainstream pe- like newspapers like the new york times and this is this was when like the conservative news outlets started coming about in, in the 80s um like the washington post mm-hmm. Uh, which is not the Washington Post, excuse me, the Washington Times, um, which was a kind of like a very, it's a pro-right newspaper, uh, started taking, you know, started kind of really going after, uh, they started really going after these um, these reporters who were who were writing about, you know, the war in South America. And I think this is like the time period where like a lot of people in the media were in the World War Two and uh, they were, you know, from the World War II generation, so they were they were pretty, uh, you know, R- Ronald Reagan was in the pictures, you know, I was in the pi- he was in the pictures. We loved Ronald and Reagan, <laughs> so I think they were very uh, pro pro. A lot of them were very pro Reagan, and uh, I think this is kind of a period where you see a lot of journalistic in- integrity uh, die, and you see a closer uh, merge of the state. And and uh, and the uh, press and, and the press. Mm-hmm. So I know we got to do an episode on this soon for sure. Well, that was that was an interesting story, man. Um, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was a little worried about doing this episode just because it's so crazy and there's like so few sources for it. Um, and there's admittedly we're gonna be doing a lot of like conjecture and postulation, um, but. Worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's with these covert operations, man. Like, I don't, we don't fucking know what's going on. <laughs> it's like it's sad to say it. Right. Like sometimes you do, but like it's, when they're happening, unless I, I, I don't. You should be, really you should be distrustful of people who say they know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, in these situations, like we definitely don't, but we'll talk about some of the theories. <laughs> yeah, we're just saying things that you know. We're just talking. We're applying things, the stories that we hear, to things that we know, and and trying to actively figure it out while we're talking. You know, like these podcasts are meant are, are a lot of a lot of times we're trying to figure. Like we're saying. All right, Here's here's what I got. What do you have? Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's figure this out. Yeah. Like we're trying to talk this stuff out and figure it out and come to conclusions while we're on the actual show. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, people who are coming in and be like, I got the truth about <laughs> the lizard people. Who <laughs> I are. love the lizard people. <laughs> That's my favorite theory. 
the lizard the lizard oh, people that's my favorite conspiracy theory hands down the, the david awesome. ike conspiracy yeah it's awesome interdimensional lizard people that shapeshift and now are taking over the world and some weird shit it's great it's funny because it's like does david like actually believe in lizard people or is he I trying think he, to if he believes in them he's probably one of them well i think a lot of these crazy kooks they they say this outlandish stuff to get either attention or to in some way discredit themselves a bit so mm-hmm. they're not like a real threat and they don't have to face real danger um i don't know that's just like some people i think will intention will will say kooky stuff to like mask some other stuff that they say that may be more controversial to uh be like i'm just a crazy person you know mm-hmm don't you, you don't have to don't i'm no threat i think in some ways david ike is kind of like that um but he's i, I don't i don't think that david ike actually believes in lizard people i'll just put it that M- way most of these like I, weird conspiracy I, I theorists don't, don't believe what they're saying they just peddle their their nonsense to make a book you know so to write a book uh, and, all, and a lot of it sells like alex jones i think of somebody who um turn the freaking frogs gay <laughs> I can't even. My throat hurts a little bit right now. I might be getting a coof. Uh, that's nice. um, I'm joking. I don't, I, I'm, I feel fine, but I'm just. I can't do his voice right now. Okay, another episode. But he, <laughs> he. I think he does believe some of what he says, but a lot of it is just fear porn that sells, and <laughs> yeah. he's selling fucking vitamins and shit. Bone broth. <laughs> bone, bone broth. Yeah. The globalist Luciferians are trying to take over your anal hole. <laughs> like, they'll enter a fifth dimension and come out. Vampire pedophiles. Vampire pedophiles. <laughs> like, I don't think I, I don't think he believes in th- that stuff. But I mean, he knows itself. He admitted in court that a lot yeah, of this an was act, an entertain. Right? It's, it's an act. Mm-hmm. And it, unfortunately, it, it's funny though because a lot of his audience, uh, a lot of people who start listening to Alex Jones, like that's their first. Um, dive into alternative uh, media or politics and they're actually introduced to a lot of better people from Alex Jones and then they realize that Alex Jones is kind of a either a a, um, a uh, he's, snake oil he's salesman a, he's a gateway or, drug he's a gateway he's, drug he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a gateway drug like he'll have Ron Paul on his show and stuff like mm-hmm. that which is good and he'll have interesting people but He'll also say stuff that's just so stupid that you're like, what the fuck? Like, do you really just say that there were crisis actors in Sandy Hook? Right. Like, you... It's like, did you just hear yourself? You like, be, you can't be real. They're, they're all... Yeah. And, and that was... And that was particular, that really bad because those people were harassed right. afterwards, right. you know? Like, stuff like that is, I think, extra bad when you're putting people in jeopardy of being harassed that's stochastic by terrorism, crazy... Man. Yeah, stochastic terrorism. We had a whole um, episode on that. It's, I think that's um, especially shitty to do things like that. And then he took it back. He's like, I never said that. <laughs> uh, I know something he did do, 
on his phone. He was like showing someone his phone, and there <laughs> what was, was it trans porn or some shit. There was transsexual porn on his phone yeah. and the browser. And I mean, shit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kink shame him. You know, if oh, that's what China, he's into, that's China, good for him. It was trying to superimpose a picture on my phone. Like he should have just man. owned it. He should have <laughs> just owned it. He should have been like, yeah, I was looking at trans porn. I'm into I that. wanted to see what two dicks a dick on a woman looks like. Yeah. <sighs> like, if he would have just owned it, I feel like people would have been fine. But because he had to be a little liar and say that the Chinese transposed it onto his phone, like, that's ridiculous. That's, that's like, stupid. <laughs> I'm in war mode right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm in war mode. I wouldn't, like, what's that video I sent you? We need to kill all the Chinese spies. <laughs> oh we need my dead. God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was... Uh, Where did these Chinese spies dead? Yeah, we put that on the live stream. <laughs> Didn't want to know the context of it whatsoever. Yeah, with no context. Um, just here's... All right, here's the show, we should wrap this up, but yeah. I just have one more point that I forgot to be, to, to bring up. Cool. Um, and maybe you have a, a, a answer to this. There's two points. So, isn't having a cyber warfare program, doesn't that make us more vulnerable to other cyber cyber attacks like as far as i know i i've read a bunch of articles or i've seen a bunch of statements released over the past couple of years about how the u.s is not very far ahead of other countries in terms of cyber mm-hmm. warfare mm-hmm. so wouldn't that make us vault like equalize the, the the battlefield in a lot of senses uh if we were going to do a warfare like that um that's like why that's one kind of concern mm-hmm. i have and then the other concern is that if Iranians are in their uh, wouldn't attacks on their on their nuclear programs where they're um, they're creating centrifuges, wouldn't they become more suspicious? And wouldn't that drive these programs more into secrecy? Because there's other mm-hmm. places where they're able to um, to assemble the, the centrifuges. Yeah. Like it's not. Those aren't the one. There's a lot of mountains in there where they can mm-hmm. they can do that. Yeah, totally. Uh, so for the first point, um, crapshoot. But generally, in my opinion, I think that um, you know there's there's no going backwards or there's no you know dragging your feet about it. Cyber is the future of warfare, much like space is the future of warfare. You know the way that we're going to fight, you know, is not going to be direct combat anymore. It will be indirect. Uh, and you're right in saying that the U.S. isn't very far ahead. It, by some uh, counts, I'd say that we're actually pretty behind um, in some ways. Uh, part of the reasons why we're somewhat behind or at a disadvantage is uh, what we pointed out before, that you know uh, a lot of these countries, things like China uh, and Russia, have you know basically uh, clandestine operations where their sole intent is to do like offensive cyber warfare, right? Whereas, you know, up until 2018, when President Trump signed these, you know, the the presidential finding allowing the CIA to do this too, you know, up until that point, we had to basically make a very strong case for doing anything offensive. And most of our um, cyber, uh, most of our cyber warfare was cyber security, right? How do we defend against these things? And, you know, the old adage, like sometimes the best, uh, defense is a good offense, right? So, um, you know, we're going to need to do that, but it does put us at a disadvantage because the more that we do it, the more that other countries are going to do it, you know? Uh, and you know we like to do things big and loud. Uh, so, 
you know, it'll just embolden other countries that are already doing this to do it more and invest more in it. And keep in mind, this is something that you can't just throw money at like we do our military, right? Like, um, uh, it's relatively inexpensive uh, to do, to have a very sophisticated cyber warfare, you know, uh, unit of your military. It's it's not a trillion dollar, you know, F thirty five. You know, uh, this is much 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 cheaper. So we're talking about more players can enter the game. You know, uh, for your second point, uh, if you know they start catching wind that this is a covert operation, you know, either by the U.S. or by Israel or by anyone, frankly, uh, wouldn't that put them at risk of making it, you know, more clandestine? Yeah, totally, uh, absolutely. And I'd argue that it's not just the, you know, uh, the recent events. I think you know any and all of the events in the last fifteen or so years uh, to try to thwart their you know, um, their nuclear capabilities have just driven them to have the incentive to enrich uranium in, in a fucking mountain, <laughs> you know, like where no one can see them. Um, because they have, you know, both, uh, obviously civil, uh, uh, civilian, um, incentives to do so. Like they want to make nuclear power plants to make power, like legitimately they do. And also because, like, fuck these guys. Why, you know, why aren't they letting us do what we want to do? So we're just going to do it in secret, you know? It's it's just kind of like a, almost like a reverse psychology kind of thing, you know? Um, so it's, it's very dangerous. Uh, and I don't, I don't approve. Yeah, well, I, I uh, largely agree with that uh, assessment. All right. We are at an hour and 45 minutes. Um, do you want to end this piece? Yep. All right. Uh, th- thanks, guys, for listening to another episode. Make sure that you rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. If you are on YouTube, um, we should be live streaming this right now. I believe, we, yeah, we are live streaming it. So um, subscribe to the channel and like it. The video. Do all the stuff that you're supposed to do to make it. Uh, just do all the do all the right things. stuff. Oh, also, if, if you're watching uh, on the YouTube's, I've got this very blank space here. I know that at least one of our uh, viewers here was pointing out things that I should put in this area. So, uh, if you're interested and you want to send me some stuff that I could probably put up on the walls, I was thinking sound foam and maybe you know some decals or something like that. Who knows? Um, but send uh, send us an email at info at bro history or hit us up on the Twitter. Uh, and let us know what you think I should put up on this thing. People are just going to say dicks. Um, <laughs> bag of dicks. All right. <laughs> bag of dicks. Okay. Um, peace, guys. See ya. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.